All right, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Diamond Rivera, and we are back at it with the Live Discussions with Diamond podcast. I believe this is episode 221. Yes, I said it, 221. And today, people, we have a very special guest coming onto the platform. But before we get started, I hope everyone is having an amazing Wednesday. And guys, we're halfway through the week, and the weekend is almost here. And tonight, people, we do have a very, very special guest, uh, a woman that I saw a lot of her work during the height of the pandemic. And even now, she's been doing amazing work, collaborating with artists all over the world. And I mean, if you see her Instagram alone, hey, some of the places she's been to, I envy. I wish I could be there too. But most of all, this here at this platform, we focus on appreciating artists' values and contributions to their community. And we have here a yoga and meditation instructor, as well as a dancer, and as well as an inspiration, the one and only Ninja. How is everything going for you? Everything's everything's going. <laughs> everything's going. <laughs> I mean, even as we speak and as we talked also privately, like, you're still on the move. You're going to different events uh, all over the world. But most of all, really, if I can ask you right now before we get started into things, what's your 2022 been like? Could you kind of get us, give us in a nutshell, what's your 2022 been like? Mm, I feel like for me, 2022 started off really well. And we are halfway through and I'm running out of steam, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we gotta be honest, we gotta be transparent. And, and honestly, Ninja, just um, us communicating, especially during 2020, um, about so many topics, but also realizing as well that even as we talked in our community, I would say from 2019 to 2022, I feel like it's a lot different. has changed almost, I wouldn't say overnight, over the past couple of years, it's really like a new generation. There's ones that, you know, now more than ever, I really appreciate, especially with your line of work, whether it's collaborating with Kizomba artists, but now implementing yoga and meditation within these festivals. And I think that's super important. And, you know, for me, we'll get into that. But I think it's even more important to understand who you are um, and kind of where all of this came from. So kind of give us an understanding on who Ninja is. Oh, well, uh, my IG handle is the balanced Blasian. So yes. I'm Blasian. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows me black and Asian. Just a, just a. <laughs> yes, uh, anything that falls under the black category and Asian category. It's general big group Blasian um, from Japan. Mm. So, I mean, yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's interesting that you say that, especially many people like us on the state side. When we see Japan, it just seems so far away. But it just seems for me, I would say, um, I feel like when I see Japan, there there's two different sides. There's the more modern side mm -hmm. and the more traditional side. So for you, kind of help us understand um, what, what was life like for you in, in Japan? Uh, for me, it's not, um, it's not the most positive time to mm -hmm. remember growing up over there. 
mainly because I felt very uh, bullied at the end of the day mm -hmm. by a lot of people being who I am. Not that I was able to help anything about that, how I appear, <laughs> yeah. you know, like whether that's my skin color or my hair mm -hmm. texture or, or yeah. my physique. Um, even though I speak and I spoke back then, Japanese is my first language. Um, mm -hmm. My mannerisms, very Japanese. Um, I just wasn't included, you know, and I think that that really kind of took a toll on me growing up. And mm. it's something that I carry with me still. And I think that's one of the reasons why I um, ended up focusing on yoga and meditation. But yes. back to growing up in Japan, um, I do understand also that it wasn't always bad. And, you know, it was also part of like um, just my mindset at the time and not being, I guess, strong enough at the time to just kind of understand other people mm -hmm. and myself in my own home culture yeah because it is a homogenous society like over 90 percent of the population is japanese and you know um again i'm mixed with black so i'm gonna stand out i'm not mm -hmm. i'm not asiate i'm not mixed with white <laughs> yeah no, and, and that's the it's the interesting part because I've heard that as we talked as well. I have a friend that actually migrated from China here, also being black and Asian. Um, and he's also told me that similar experience. But even in this, it's crazy enough that those same stories also happen on stateside. With so much diversity, there still is so much separation mm -hmm. at some times. Mm -hmm. But also, at, even as you talked as well, um, me going through similar situations as a child, being biracial, explaining to your teachers on tests when they ask you your nationality mm -hmm. and you're mm -hmm. filling in more than one. And it's like, for them, it's confusing. But for me, I understand. But really, then also, as we talked, I think it was college that actually helped that transition from Japan to uh, the stateside or Hawaii, as, as, uh, as you told me. So kind of helped me understand then what was that transition like, making that ultimate move from Japan to Hawaii? Um, finding, finding myself in Hawaii, uh, again, being in or being on an island with, you know, Americans, but mm -hmm. also not quite, <laughs> yeah. because we're talking like Polynesian people, yes. um, you know, the local people, mm -hmm. and not being mainland America, but also having a military presence on that island, having Asian tourists or American Asian people. It was just mm -hmm. a mishmash of different kinds of people yeah. on an island, still similar enough to home, but quite different at the same time, kind of helped with mm -hmm. my transitioning over to mainland America. But right. that still took some time. It still took like a few years, and I'm still not there. But <laughs> you're just somewhere. I mean, you you may not be there fully, but you're getting you know you're getting your feet wet. But at the same accord, like you said, making that tr transition from Hawaii to the stateside, and for you then making that transition from there was that a kind of a big culture shock, or was kind of Hawaii kind of giving you an understanding? of how stateside may be like? 
it gave me an understanding because um, I think that's where I first started dancing. Mm. Was this so? Yeah, definitely feel me because I also know as well that Hawaii does have a blossoming dance community, especially with salsa um, and other mm -hmm. styles. But of course, the mainland dances rule everything. But kind of give me some information. How did that happen? Your introduction into the dance world per se. Oh, so in college in Hawaii, I went to University of Hawaii, mm -hmm. and uh, I decided to take an elective called social Latin ballroom. Mm -hmm. And as one of the requirements to pass the class, we had to go to the club, but I wasn't old enough to go to the club. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the teacher found an exception for me and this is where I first started partner dancing. I found a milonga, which is mm. Argentine tango party. Yeah. Yeah. So that, was the very beginning of my partner dancing, Argentine tango, finding myself in a group that felt very uh, very safe again and welcoming mm -hmm. to me, even though I looked nothing like anyone there. There, They were so much older. Like the youngest person oh, wow. was maybe 10 years young, I mean, older than me. And I was like 17 at the time. So the next person was like 27, 28. And then it jumped up to 30 something. And then like everyone else was like 50, 60 plus. Oh, wow. So yeah, you definitely were the, the young chicken in that, in that group. Wow. So, I mean, but it's interesting you say that because even myself growing up in the, the salsa world in New York, I was mainly around a lot of, don't get me wrong. I, I was around some of my peers that were my age, but the community I was a part of was much older. Do you feel mm -hmm. like within that community, did you kind of mature a lot quicker? Did you feel that sense of, you know, I kind of have to not act like a college kid, that stereotype, or did you feel like you kind of had to be a little more aware of how you presented yourself in general? I don't think so, just because, um, again, growing up where I grew up in Japan, it's not like I really fit in with my peer okay. group or gotcha. people. So I was always kind of like the oddball and I ended up hanging out with people that necessarily didn't physically look like me or mm -hmm. like even the range of whatever. Again, age, it didn't really matter for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not so much, I guess. <laughs> nah, no, no, I, I, that's not a problem at all. So for you then, of course, moving then to the States um, and as I got to understand you through the urban kids world, but also you kind of yeah. in, uh, informing me as well as the education of that clear cut difference between kids and Kizomba. Um, and for me, I would definitely say the, the world of Kizomba, I love it. I've met some amazing people there. That scene is thriving globally from the viral videos you see or the classes people teach. Um, for you moving stateside, what was besides the Argentinian tango in Hawaii, what was it in the States or kind of the dance um, community that you gravitated towards when you got here? Um, as soon as I was old enough to enter the club, I ended up going to a place called Zanzibar mm -hmm. and it was a Latin club. So there was salsa, bachata, cha-cha and uh, the demographics of the people of course changed and I fell very much in love with Latin music 
And when I moved over to mainland, I decided I'm going to go to LA because when I was in Hawaii, I ended up going to the LA Salsa Congress a few times and performing over oh, there. Oh, wow. Wait, so you performed with a company from Hawaii? Mm -hmm. Wow, which company was that? Aloha Rimberos. Wow, I see, look, finding out new things. <laughs> I mean, I myself being at the LA Salsa Fest and oh, Salsa Congress at one point, I mean, hey, I definitely remember those days. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. What were those moments like actually performing at Salsa Fest and doing those type of uh, events? I really enjoyed preparing to perform and performing. Like, that was just so much fun for me. Um, yeah, I think I may have... No, I didn't enjoy it like more than, but it was yeah. huge for me. Like just meeting people from all over the place and again, not having to speak the same language mm -hmm. and not having to look like anybody your age again didn't matter. Like it was just a place for anyone who loved dancing to, you know, come together. No, absolutely. And like, uh, were people like, oh my God, you're from Hawaii. What is it like over there? Did you get those kind of questions? Like going to LA, did, did people, when they met you, ever ask you questions like that? Sometimes, but mm -hmm. I feel like uh, over in LA, there were enough opportunities for people to go to Hawaii. It's not that far. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you're definitely right about that. A ticket from New York to Hawaii is a lot different from LA to Hawaii. So, yeah. <laughs> But that's awesome that you've actually had that experience of performing at venues like that. So then, of course, um, through you said I, I'm assuming you said through salsa, correct? Mm -hmm. So through salsa, was it because I've heard this from many dancers uh, that I've had conversations with is that it actually starts out with salsa and then it goes into bachata and then it goes into <laughs> kizomba azuk. Was was that the kind of road you went through as well? Was yours a little bit different than that? Well, I mean, I would say that's pretty much it, except that for me, it started with Argentine tango. Yes, uh, carried it into the big Latin situation, yes. and I, I was I was clueless at the time. I couldn't tell the difference between salsa and cha cha and bachata and merengue. Like it was all the I same. <laughs> oh my it was god. All the same. Listen, I, I totally understand. I mean, there's a th this this dance community has evolved on so many levels over the past 10, 20 years. When I remember when bachata was an afterthought, when mm -hmm. bachata was the song you used to go to the restroom and <laughs> freshen up and come back until the music came back. But you know, even realizing now as well, um, don't get me wrong, things like Brazilian Zouk, uh, art forms like Kizomba have been flourishing, but there was a time, especially on the state side, where it wasn't as popular. But yeah. for you then, and you said you went through that kind of that road, that salsa bachata, kizomba zook, and for you finding those other styles, was it kind of, you went to an event, saw some people dancing, or like how did those other styles get introduced to you? Um, at least, in Hawaii, like I was able to see, and once I was able to start distinguishing certain things, I'd be like, oh, I really like bachata and I wish that there were more bachata. So I was one of the people I think that um, tended to see a trend forming before it was forming. Mm. So I was already way in love with bachata before like LA was a bachata capital. I watched Ooh. LA transition from a salsa capital to a bachata capital. Thank you. And I knew Thank it was you. gonna happen. 
<laughs> many people, many people, like I remember when pe that phrase of salsa was king or salsa mm. is king. And there was a time that, yes, it was. But I think it was around maybe after the 2010s when bachata started slowly growing, whether it was on, on the opposite end of the world in Australia and transitioning here. But like you said, you were able to see a whole community completely yep. evolve and switch. Yep. And don't get me wrong. I love salsa. I love bachata. I love all styles. But people cannot tell me that that ha that that's not true. It's even coming from you. You've seen a oh, complete yeah. community just switch. Yeah. Was because there were many people, in my opinion, when it came to the instructional part. A little bit different. You know, the instruction is a little more concise and I can get this quicker than I can get that. Do you feel that? Um, I missed some of that because it like started glitching out there. Oh, gotcha. Sorry. <laughs> no, basically what I, was, what I was saying was many people have told me since learning both styles, they mm -hmm. feel like bachata is much easier. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard that. You know, and I say this, and enough of those classes, and as you see, there's congresses, events, and socials, and festivals all over the world. But my question to you, Ninja, is for me, understanding you through the urban kids world, kind of let me know how that came into your life. Oh, I was actually at a bachata festival oh. in LA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I was at a bachata festival in LA and they had, um, I think maybe at that time, it was a Kizuk room. Mm. And, and for people who do not know that, that means a Kizomba and Zook room, because they did not want to separate the rooms and add another room. Yeah, and so I walked into this room and like I noticed the music and I saw a bunch of people just standing around the perimeter of the dance floor, maybe only like three couples dancing something that mm -hmm. looked like tango to me. But I knew it wasn't tango, like the music wasn't the same. And it's yeah. like, it was something a little bit different. And again, the demographics were different. And I was like, oh, this is, this is interesting to me. Like, I like the music and it looks a lot like tango. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanted to know more about it because again, my mother dance is Argentine tango. So I was like, this looks so similar and it's probably easy for me to pick up too. And I had already kind of hit a plateau in bachata. So I was like, I wanna, I wanna be bad at something. <laughs> Are you able to hear me clearly? I am now. Oh, got you, got you. I know. Hey, this is technology. This is how some things are. Um, so my thing is, when did you, how long did it take for you? Or when was that moment that you actually transitioned from learning it to actually teaching it, assisting and working with other instructors and doing that way? Um, assisting actually started quite immediately. I think it was because I had that Argentine tango background and also mm -hmm. other dance backgrounds, generally speaking, because I've been 
partner dancing since I was 17. So um, I have quite a bit of information in my body about how to follow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I started to assist uh, guest instructors over from like Europe mm -hmm. and also like within the States as well. Um, and that was a very fortunate thing for me because I mean, I was able to get pretty much hands-on training from an instructor while I was just assisting in a class and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and then actual teaching maybe started happening about two, three years after I went to my first uh, festival for yeah. Kizomba. Wow. I mean, hey, that also shows that the dedication, because some people, it takes many, many years. But like you said, you were put in a position at one point, and now fast forward, and now you're being able to instruct others. I think it's a complete, for many people who don't have that understanding of being a teacher, like actually you, your students are a representation of you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that I, I definitely don't take that for granted. So as well, realizing going from those genres of dance, you then becoming now currently or in the past few years, you actually became a certified yoga instructor. And congratulations. I know it, it takes much dedication for that. But my question to you is be, since becoming that and I've seen you've been implementing these teachings within festivals what has that been like for you uh there's a little bit of curiosity maybe is the nice word to put it mm -hmm. about how it will benefit events like why should we have wellness at the event at a dance event like how is this beneficial to anybody at a dance event mm -hmm. and um trying to trying to um, just share what I think is one thing because I mean obviously I'm for it I'm biased for that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, having people support my theory over that mm -hmm. is um, is a really great way for me to get into the events you know, um, because not everyone is really open to it. Uh, the events themselves, it seems like, want to run off of dance focus. And of course, like, that's fair. You know, we've been running off of dance focused things for a dance event. It totally makes sense. But mm -hmm. I wanted to come in as a dancer and a certified yoga and meditation instructor to say, hey, like, we're not just the body here. Like, this is a stressful environment. It's a stressful situation, regardless of if it's good or a positive stress. Like, can we take yeah. a minute to just wind down, even if it's for an hour? Like, what if you offered an hour out of the day? And I'm saying just offer. You don't have to force anyone to take it. But if it's there, like, people are quite curious. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I could use that. Like, yes, my body hurts. And it seems that oftentimes once people leave my class, they just feel so, like, levitated. <laughs> <laughs> and hey. they go on the next challenge, you know? So it's like, I'm like, dude, I think it's totally beneficial. Like, that breath of air for an hour. Yeah. 
it's important. No, I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree because I, yoga or stretching, yoga, wellness, it definitely is a complete beneficial factor to dancing that can be have high stress points. And people do have injuries of not mm -hmm. stretching. Of course, most people that I have seen at a Congress are not stretching in their hotel rooms. Just be completely honest. We're going, getting dressed, getting ready, going out to dance. But we don't also realize that a lot of times we may dance with someone that that dance is uncomfortable, but also mm -hmm. that dance can cause an injury that you may not know. And it just lingers and lingers. But also I've seen people that have gotten injured on the dance floor for not being able to lift properly, to move their legs properly, to stretch their ligaments properly, and there are injuries. So I I completely agree. We need more ninjas at festivals. We need you at more festivals because, to be honest, it's only helping the consumer because they see already, they're used to what they're getting. But like you said, giving them something a little bit different is intriguing. It it's curiosity, but also I think it's a positive and a beneficial curiosity, more or less. But, you know, for you now, before we get into our last segment called the randoms, you know, as we've talked as well, these past few years have been crazy. These, these past few years have been very challenging, um, exposing many of our vulnerabilities and helping us as well understand ourselves better than we did before. Um, and one thing I have to extremely commend you about I love, especially with your posts, focusing on empowerment, about self-reflection, um, about loving your body. Because I think as well, with that vulnerability within many of us, many people are ashamed of their bodies. And especially in our dance community, many people use the dancing as a mask to mask their insecurities. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I definitely hear at this podcast, we have to commend you being one of those not just dancers or instructors, but just one of those people, genuine human beings that want to see better for their communities because that's what we need more of. We need more people that are here for the right reasons, doing things for the right cause. Um, so for you now, um, since really the last two or three years, now we're in 2022, what are you looking forward towards this end of the year into next year? Um, hopefully more opportunities to spread what I really care about, which again is movement, mm -hmm. you know, yoga, self-awareness, um, grace, mm -hmm. um, inclusion, these things. I, I would really like to have the opportunity to reach people to broaden their perspective and take a few risks here and there and see what works for them or not. Not being afraid, doing things smartly, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you wouldn't want to encourage anyone to do anything, you know, bad. So, you know, but again, I appreciate it. For me, I feel like the one word I can use to describe you is just genuine. You're genuinely you. And hey, again, we need more people like that. But I think help I think right now it helps us transition to our last segment called the randoms, which is about five to 10 questions I may have here that may deal with life, dance, and everything in between. So Ninja, all I need to know is when you are ready. Let me turn the light on because it's getting dark. 
<laughs> yes, not a problem. <laughs> Okay. Perfect. All right. <laughs> we have our first question. It goes, if you aren't dancing, you are doing blank. Oh, this, this is a lot. Travel, <laughs> yoga, obviously, um, at the beach, um, probably trying to catch up on sleep. <laughs> hey, hey. Oh, focusing on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you have a lot. You have a lot of hobbies you're doing right now. But really, the end result, it's all focused on helping you get better each day. So, yeah. hey, that's that's awesome. All right, this one should be really interesting. Give me a favorite city you've been to. Like, if you can just go right now to one city right now, what would it be? I look up and, of course, I see it. Paris, always. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, is it the Eiffel Tower that gets you or just the, the ambiance, the people, the atmosphere? The roasted cauliflower. <laughs> Oh my God! Of of all things, of all things, man. If if and I was assuming you were gonna say a baguette, but hey, uh, roast, roasted cauliflower. I I totally understand. I love it myself, and I definitely would go to Paris for some roasted cauliflower. But I have to. Let me ask you a question: Is the Eiffel Tower is it worth it to go all the way up to the top? Yes, there's. Oh, actually, I've never been to the top of Eiffel Tower. Okay, all right, maybe, maybe maybe on a bucket list, but hey, that's I, I would love to explore. But also, France has a beautiful dance scene. They yes, have so many different styles I've seen. Oh my God, it's it's a luxury there. All right, next question here. This should be really interesting because as well, you've been able to travel over these past few years, and also realizing you've been able to collab with a lot of artists you wanted to. So right now. If you could collab with anyone right now, who is it? Oh, I was actually just talking to somebody, and um, there's, I don't know if you know him, but a guy named Jimmy Yoon. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm familiar with Jimmy Yoon. Yes. So he just came back stateside. Well, I don't mm -hmm. know if it was just, but I know that he's uh, much closer than when he was not in the States. <laughs> and the oh, thing hey. with Jimmy is that like I've only met him once years ago and like mm -hmm. I've never forgotten him and like I watched him on social media and so yeah if I can collab with anyone right now it will be him. Okay awesome awesome. All right this next one I call it a spicy question. It's a question for us dancers that you know, we, we have the answer, but we may be very nervous to say. So it goes like this. Um, Ninja, you are at a event right now, social dancing. Give me your pet peeve on the dance floor. Uh, I don't think I can say this. If it's hygiene, I'll take it for you. No, it's, it's okay. not. <laughs> <laughs> like my mind just went like, it's a super pet peeve, maybe. And uh, hey, if it's a super pet peeve, I think you need to say it. If you don't want to say it, completely understand. Well, um, okay, let's say it in the matter of, I like my dance to have personal space and not just physically, but like with the intention. Yes, I totally understand where you're going. Because again, there, it's it's interesting enough is that a lot of our dance forms, the focus is the connection, but then we have to understand the balance between. 
totally understand that. All right, next one, our second to last question. Give me your favorite dish from Hawaii. Okay. Hey, can't go wrong with that. No spam masubi, <laughs> no local moco. No, okay. Hey, there you go. Sushi. What is your favorite sushi? Tuna. Okay. I, I get people telling me spider rolls, California rolls, all you know. Hey, I love it. Hey, trust me. There, there's so much sushi variations all over, especially in New York. I've seen crazy, crazy things. But I, I love, I love that answer. Keep it simplistic. And now it brings us to our last question. And this question I feel helps kind of tie our whole conversation in whole. Uh, this would be interesting. So can you describe yourself in one word? I'm assuming that's a no. <laughs> Not in one word. <laughs> maybe eclectic. Could we? Could we maybe oh, use that? Yeah, totally. I was thinking like weird, different. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, being different is okay. Talk today. Are you uh, able to hear me now? Yes. Hey, like I said, this is technology. It's crazy sometimes. But uh, Ninja, really, I want to say again, I truly thank you for again coming on to the podcast. Um, it means a lot. Um, you as an instructor, you as a female instructor, but also as a female follow instructor, I feel that events need more of that. I feel events, organizers need to be more open and allowing more diversity within uh, especially the workshops. Mm -hmm. um, and the things that you're doing are amazing. And just having here, um, this is more of a safe space. And, you know, again, I appreciate that. Have spoken. Uh, do you have any thoughts? Hey, right. I think we're back. Okay. That's perfect. <laughs> hey, like I said, this is technology. But um, hopefully, lastly, you heard what I was saying, just that I appreciated you coming on to the podcast. It, it really does mean having a person uh, of your stature, your influence to me. Uh, I've seen a lot of work you've done. I love it. I can't wait to see more of it. 
But at least before we go, if you had any last few words for myself in the audience, yes. also contact info on how people can reach you. Thank you. Well, yes, firstly, thank you so much, Diamond. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for this platform and thank you for what you do for us, the artists and the dance community. Um, I've also watched your work and I love it because it's just so positive and it focuses right back to, I mean, it's just a very circular thing at the end of the day. And I really appreciate what you do. Not just the podcast, but, you know, your filming and like your photographies and all of this surrounding our community. I think it's wonderful. So thank you, thank you so much um, for the audience. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, I hope to find you on Instagram and also, of course, dance events. Please come say hi to me. I'm introverted. So <laughs> yes, yes, please, everyone say <laughs> hi to her, please. Yeah, come find me. Say hi. Just yeah, because I will probably be somewhere in the corner <laughs> hiding. Hey, <laughs> I, I appreciate your honesty. I believe on Instagram you are the balanced Blasian. Am I correct? Yes, the balanced Blasian. Yes. Amazing. And as well, um, I know if people wanted to reach you on Facebook, but do you prefer just Instagram? Instagram, please. Yes, I tell everyone direct to your Insta, her Instagram. It is the Balanced Blasian on Instagram. Everyone, I really thank everyone for tuning in. Everyone who will be tuning in, this episode would also be on Spotify coming very soon. And I want to thank everyone who's tuned in, who will be tuning in. And most of all, thank you, Ninja, for everything you do, your contributions. And your value is truly appreciated. Um, and everyone, thank you again. It's been another amazing episode. Episode 221 with the one and only Ninja. Thank you guys for tuning in. Love you all. 